Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Isn't it good hearing stories of God's faithfulness in people's lives? Does anyone remember when God's been there for you? When you first encountered his goodness, his presence, his grace, and you just went, oh my goodness, little old me. It's amazing, isn't it? So we should, I think that we should be the most thankful people on planet Earth, is we know what life was like and what life is like. We know where our hope was and where our hope now is. We know what eternity, we know what the future kind of had in store for us, and now we know everything has shifted in the name of Jesus. Uh, and all things are possible, hey? I don't know what you're currently experiencing, but I do know that in Christ all things are possible, which is great. Uh, But in expansion, if you look at this booklet, which we keep pointing to, uh, it's in the back of the chairs that are in front of you. Um, You'll see that things are categorised a little bit differently this year. If you look on the the pledge card, but also all throughout where it says, hey, these are the opportunities that we feel God is opening up for us. You'll see there um, that things are categorised local, national and global. And we've put it into this bracket. Uh, A lot of it comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. I love that they use the word witness because, well, what's a witness do? They just kind of share what the story has been from their view. They're not there to judge, accuse, defend. They are there to just say, well, here is the account according to me. This is God's goodness. We'll tell them wherever we go. He says, here in Jerusalem, which is where they were, not where they were from. Most of them weren't from Jerusalem, the people he's talking, but they were found in Jerusalem at the time. So locally, throughout Judea and Samaria, which is their greater region, which took up, it was the major part of the nation that they were in, and to the ends of the earth, which obviously is globally. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, as my disciples, here are the places that you will make a difference, that you will go and you will be my witnesses, you will share the gospel, you will tell people about just how good the love of Christ is, locally, nationally, globally. I like to just say here, there, and everywhere. And that's where we're wanting to, as a church, make sure that we are collectively, as a congregation, that we are outworking these things. As you said, no matter where we go, you fly overseas, well, guess what? You've been sent there. You might be on holiday, but you're going with the power of the Holy Spirit. That There's something in it for you. And so we've seen uh, just a few, and there's so many more that are still in the working and, and praying through. But uh, what God is opening the opportunity up for us as a church, not a few people who are selectively involved, but us as a community, to be standing faithfully together, to sow into, to spiritually carry the weight and praying for these things together. Uh, you'll see there, locally, we, we are, are sold out that people would grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, every single person. In a short way we've been saying it lately is that we would see Toowoomba for Christ. Anyone else? Anyone else on the same page with me there? Come on, we've got some faith-filled Christians in the room that we're going to see Toowoomba for Christ. Every son and every daughter, every parent, every weed auntie and crazy cousin, every single one of them, every high school, every workplace, every single one of them, Toowoomba for Christ. Locally, we are sold out. We are here in Toowoomba for a reason. Oh, we want to see 
the influence that happened through Red Frogs last night. Andre's here, he's out of bed, he was up until probably hasn't gone to sleep, who knows. But 700 teenagers at an after party last night, the hands and feet of Jesus. Now I look and go, oh, like all the Red Bull in the world couldn't keep me awake. And sometimes it's nice, like, that's not in it for me. And I, I sometimes think that way about a lot of different areas. But I consider the type of people in, that I read through in the Bible who would be at things like that and very quickly at the top of the list realize it's Jesus. In environments like that that I don't want to be in, if I follow Jesus, I find myself in those environments. And so as a church, we are putting ourselves in those environments. And we want to support financially and with encouragement, but also church, far greater than that would be with your faith and with your prayer, with your support going, hey, we are in this together. What is needed on both fronts, in a natural front, but also in a spiritual front? And we see high fields for Christ as we're developing, uh, getting closer to actually developing that permanent, forever, legacy-leaving, generation-lasting place out there. It goes well beyond any of us. Luckily, our God is a generational God, cares far more about what's coming next than we ever will. Even beyond the, whatever the length of our legacy might be, well, God cares even further, and we're a part of doing that. And uh, we're dreaming for Gadden, for Christ. All 8,000 of them, not one of them would perish, as Jesus would say. In the Lockyer Valley, there's 42,000 people in that, just in that region. And Jesus wants every single one of them to know him. Not one of them would be missed. Not one of them disregarded based on convenience or vision or whatever it might be. Every single one. And our heart is for far greater than that, that everyone in this nation, and we say Australia for Christ, would come to know Jesus. And so we are committed as a church to say this is the mission of Jesus Christ and His church. And so we're just following Him. This isn't Ken's or Doug's or any brand's uh, church. This is Jesus' church. He is the head. And as long as he cares about every single person knowing him, well, we care about every single person knowing him. Church, you with me this morning? Jeez, I hope I'm talking to a room full of Highlanders because this is the stuff that we exist for, to make disciples of all people, that not one would perish. And my prayer is that there are churches and Christians near my family who don't know him that are just as passionate about it that they would be the answer to my prayers just as we might be the answer to some other family's prayers going, Lord, let there be a church, let there be a people in Toowoomba, let there be a people in Gaddon, in Highfields, in Dolby, in Pittsworth, in wherever they are. Let there be people who care about my sibling, my child, my parents' salvation. Come on, we are the answer to so many people's prayer. So we can't stop here and believing. You'll see through here and globally, uh, nationally, the influence that we have with our natural disaster relief organization called Global Care. You see a video, there's a story there, but a video next week explaining how as a church we were able to give over $20,000 to the uh, Lismore flood victims in really practical way, just giving in vouchers and support there. We want, we want to see the church activated and equipped greater in, in that region or that area so we can respond to greater, being the hands and feet. More influence for our Christian tertiary uh, school our higher ed university in Brizzy, that, that we have a greater impact. This world needs more of God's worldview and less of whatever Kool-Aid they're drinking. Yeah? I reckon. I don't think this is the time to retreat. I don't think that God is shrinking back and saying, let's see if we can bunker down and survive and see if we outlast them. I think he's going, no, it's time for the church. Come on, let's press forward into the things that are required. 
We're believing for more Christian schools to be started in the name of Jesus. Is that this next generation, I, I, I don't think we leave it up to chance. Because I've talked to a lot of older people and peers that have kids around my age. And it, there is that sense of what are our kids going to be brought up in. And this fear of maybe oh, what, what is going on. And I just think that God's calling us to say, we get to determine. It's not time to see if we can survive, but let's, there is a greater need for Christian education. There is a greater need for the church to express itself in this way. We here locally have just under 700 children every single day being discipled by people who love Jesus and love these kids. What an environment. But there are so many more around Australia that could do with a dose of Christ in this manner. More healthy, life-giving churches across this nation, across the world. And so these are things that we want to not just sow into, but yes, sow into, but also continue to expand maybe our vision for what God could do through, you know, a little old church on the corner of Human Spring in Toowoomba, all across the world. Greater influence, Lord, that they would, we would see nations come to Christ that we've got missionaries in, in Jordan and the Philippines and past working with Spain. In Indonesia, we sponsor 100 kids and a couple of hundred more in, in the Philippines. Jesus, let it be this generation. Lord, would it be now that we see the Philippines come to Christ, that we see poverty eradicated in the name of Jesus? Come on, church, are we believing for more? This is not just a nice title for a series, but this is the declaration, the season of going, Lord, would we expand our expectation and our belief of what you could do? This is not time to shrink back, but to boldly move forward, to courageously believe. Like what God said, in Isaiah to, his, to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to them as a woman who hasn't been able to have a child. He's, that's the kind of imagery he's using to describe Israel at this point. And he says, sing, barren woman, or sing Israel. You who have never bore a child, burst into song. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But he's saying, come on, celebrate, shout for joy. You have never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband, says Lord. In other words, come on, greater is in you than those who are doing it in their natural way, than those who are just seem to be figuring it out of themselves, you know, oh, they don't do that. Why are we staying faithful? Why are we continually living by faith? Why are we sowing in? Why are we praying? Why are we holding out when it looks like those who are following a natural order is working better for them, but God is saying, it's just... Start to praise him and celebrate because greater is in you than what is in them. He goes on and says, the Lord says to enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Don't dream little. Don't think small. Don't hold back. Enlarge, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, which you only need if you are gonna be bursting at the seams. Come on, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess the nations and settle in their desolate cities. Come on, I like what God is saying here, going, and I, I feel it for us as a church, and I want you to grab it for your family and maybe for your position. Wherever it is that you're in, that God is saying, hey, no matter your natural circumstances, no matter what they've been like, no matter what your history has looked like, no matter what you're currently in or setbacks you've faced or whatever you've decided to settle for, God is saying that it is time to set a different set of expectations for the future. Yeah. This is a lot about what I talked about last week is it is time for us to get a different expectation of our future. 
going, oh, but this is the position we're in. You can see Israel sooking because this is how I do it. Is oh, God, but this sucks. This is hard. This will kind of do it that way. You know, they seem to be prospering. They seem to be going well. But over here, look at my path. I've got a resume, Lord. Have you seen it? Again, I say, like, I think I have a spiritual gift of complaining, as Israel does. But I get it. And God is saying, come on, there's something greater. Just have a different, what you've gone through and the place that you are is not where God is taking us. And as a church, we can settle for an expectation that we're currently getting. But as I said last week, the moment we settle for our current expectation, we abandon God's plan for the future. The moment we start saying, oh, well, this is just what has been. And so it's probably what will be. We let go of the potential of, of prosperity, of miracles, of blessing, of God outpouring His plan in this world. The moment we say, hey, well, it, these things are probably pipe dreams. Australia for Christ is a great cry, is a great prayer, but it is unrealistic and silly to have an expectation. The moment we settle for that, we abandon that God can and will do what He's promised to do. I don't know what it is in your family. The moment you say, well, I haven't had my miracle, I probably won't get your miracle. Come on, don't abandon what God can and will do. Whatever it is that you're believing for, family that have walked away from church, it's time to expand again. Start picturing them worshiping next to you, believing for them again. Whatever breakthrough, enlarge your tents. It's not time to shrink back, but to expand. I believe that the best days of the church are still ahead. Not in the part, I love hearing about the good old days. But I don't believe God is asking us to keep our eyes in the rear vision mirror our whole life. If you've gone through some sweeping revivals, if you've gone through some moves of God, fantastic. We need your faith and we need your wisdom. We need to know how to steward it. But let's go forward to see what God has for us next. Come on, he says, praise, sing, enlarge, prepare, because what is coming? Our expectations should be different. It's time to lift our eyes towards a bigger vision and start moving towards it. I still believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and that there is no other, that he has not given up on it. He has not given up on you. He has not given up on this city. He's not given up on our region, our nation. He's not given up on this world. I know a lot of Christians have. They're like, just look at it. Where is it going? I believe it is time that our vision as the church and our vision as believers aligns more with God's vision than the enemy's. Because our God is not the only one who has a plan for your life. He's not the only one that has a plan for Toowoomba. He's not the only one that has a plan for this nation. The enemy has some as well. And I just, come on church, our, our vision needs to be more aligned with his, with God's. Because no one else's is. He's calling his church, calling, would you expand? Would you believe? Would you enlarge your tents? Would you prepare? I love it in verse two, it says, enlarge it. Stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. See, God is speaking to them, as, as I said, as this woman who hasn't had children yet. What, he's not asking them, would you shuffle some things around to make room for a cot in the back? He's asking them to prepare an eight-bedroom mansion. Come on, don't hold back, stretch it out. Believe for greater things again. We're singing a song that is based off a prayer in Scripture that, Lord, you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever imagine. It requires faith. It requires action of preparation. 
Why would you expand it with no expectation? We talked last week about Noah. Why would he build the ark if he didn't think that God would come through? He took 100 years to come through on that promise. And yet Noah faithfully prepared. So as I said, church, you go, oh, is this going to happen on my timeline? I don't know, but I'm believing it will. But I'm, I'm still making room. I'm preparing for God to do what he only can do. Even when we look at the model that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, it begins with an expectation that God is not done. Matthew 6, Jesus says this, Pray then in this way, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he goes, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is all over our series because this is our, our real desire, is that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done. But this is how Jesus taught us to pray, with the expectation that God isn't finished. He starts it right off the bat. It's not that your kingdom has already come, Lord, help us just live in it. It's not that, oh, your kingdom might dabble around. Lord, just a dash of it here and there. But the expectation that, God, you're not done yet and we're praying that you would continue your work. Lord, that your will hasn't fully been lived in because we're still not flourishing. We're still not living in freedom. Lord, that your will would be done, that we could believe for something even greater. An expectation that something was about to change. So that's why this year, and I keep referring to this because I think that God is, I keep saying, we're in a season of expansion. I think that God is going to do things that we probably have too small of an expectation for. That's why we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in our kids and our youth as it is in heaven. In our high schools, in our primary schools as it is in heaven. Lord, that your kingdom might come at our after parties and in universities as it is in heaven that we would see your will, that people would flourish in every scenario, in every stage of life, just as they would in heaven, in every city, in every nation that we've got influence in. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in every family, in every marriage, in every child relationship. Lord, your will be done because our expectation is changing for the future. Not, Lord, would you just fix this mess, but Lord, would you, oh, I'm believing for a greater thing, that you are not done yet. See, in Genesis, we see a man named Abraham who God had promised to make into what he's referred to as a great nation, have a lot of descendants and build him into well, essentially the people of God. And the problem with this at the time that God promised it in, in chapter 12 was that he and his wife were quite old and kind of passed this part of their life. But God miraculously provided for them and came through and they conceived and, and had this child that they named Isaac. Now, the promise that God gave them seemed entirely reliant on this kid, Isaac, because they only had one child, and somehow they were going to be a father of many nations. And so a lot of things were kind of pinned on this kid, and everything was going great until in chapter 22, God tested Abraham and asked for Isaac back. Now, God is not into children's sacrifices and had very, well, no intention in seeing this child die or without being raised back. But there were three predominant reasons why God threw this one out of asking for Isaac back. The first one was to point towards Jesus who was to come. And we'll go through that as we read through it in a second. This, this, is, this is the gospel story foretelling what is coming through Jesus. As a lot of the Old Testament is, you can, you can clearly see, oh, God is revealing Christ to come who will fulfill all of these things. The second one was to reveal an aspect to him of him to humanity that he hadn't clearly revealed in the past. The third one was to respond to great faith. Come on, Abraham, would you believe because I respond to faith? Faith moves the hand of God. And so Genesis 22, we read here. You've already read here. 
Uh, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Now, could you imagine being Abraham here? Now, there are some days you might think, okay, I've got a few, a few of them are getting on my nerves, but never to this point. There is some severe kind of tension here because how is God going to fulfill his promises that he made in chapter 12 if Isaac were gone? How was God going to do this? Was he going to raise him? Was he going to provide for him? Was something going to happen to God? There is tension here spiritually kind of arguing with God about his great plan and that is only the spiritual side. On the physical side is he's asking for your son, your only child that was given miraculously without your real help at all. You starting to see the picture of Jesus here? It was provided for them, but without knowing the entire plan, Abraham began. Abraham started to obey anyway. That's what I love, is that faith puts its confidence in God, not its feelings. Faith puts confidence in God's word, not just my own opinions or how I view things. Again, this is what God was saying to the people of Israel. Don't stop looking at how others have done it. You, you will be better off than that with a husband. In other words, that those who have done it by themselves in a natural way, you will be better off. And Abraham just went, I'm gonna just start to believe. I, know that I'm gonna, I don't feel that this is the right way, but I'm just going to take God at his word. But could you wrestle with this tension that Abraham's wrestling with? And we all have it too. Is we can scale it way back because we're not going to go that far. But do we value what God has given us more than we value God himself? This is the tension essentially that boils down that Abraham is wrestling. Do I value what God has given me or allowed me to steward more than I just value God? See, we wrestle with this in all sorts of ways. I said we can scale it back from our children, right? We might struggle with them as well, but bring it back is when God asks something for us, we have this tension. I do like you, but I love you, I value you, are Lord. But not like that, and not that much. You put a pin there on Abraham, we'll come back, but let's have a look at how David responds to the same kind of scenario at this point. Second Samuel 24, it says, The day that Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. He's saying this because there's a plague that's hit based on David's life and his sin at this stage. God wasn't too stoked about it. So this was the response saying, David, come on, respond in a better way. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Aruna saw the king and his men coming towards him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground saying, why have you come, my Lord, the king? Aruna asked, uh, David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Verse 22, he says, Take it, my Lord, uh, the king, to use it as you wish. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it to you, your majesty, and may your Lord, uh, Lord your God accept your sacrifice. And if we stopped there, come on, how many of us would be going the Lord has provided for us. Hallelujah, how good. I was going to, I was ready to, to weigh in. I was ready to do something severe and God has just come through and, and kind of provided everything for us. But David had caught something that God had asked him to do something particular. 
God has asked him to respond in a certain way. And so his response to Aruna was this in verse 24. No, I insist on buying it. For I will not present an offering to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed his offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. I will not present something to, I will not offer my worship that hasn't cost me something. See, I see in my life and many Christians' life that when God asks for something, whether specifically or directly or just generally that we have throughout word and throughout our history, is that we often to struggle to give something back that we don't want to give. Money is a big one that all of us get tense around. But let's go as well, nights out. More precious in this generation than ever before. Mornings in prayer. Uh, I, for me, I, I'm not good. In, I don't want to give you a sloppy prayer, God. He's like, any prayer would be good at this stage, Doug. Sacrifice. When he asks for us to live in purity or in holiness or in pursuit of him. See, I hear a lot of people say, and I, I agree with this to a, to a point of going, oh, you don't have to just give this. You can also give. Look, you don't have to do that because it could also be, oh, and I agree. I agree, it can, can be a lot of things. Up until the point you are withholding something that will cost for something that you'll give freely. David had a revelation that he was not willing to offer any kind of worship to God that was easy, free, cheap, sloppy, but only excellent. Only something that he cared about because he knew what God was worthy of. He knew that the real sacrifice, he wasn't found in his wallet. It was found on the throne in his life. Because God isn't just asking for your pocket. He's asking for all of you. Some of us get touchy on specifics, but can I bring it back? God, it's this whole life response. I don't want to give you something, Lord, that is actually not valuable to me anyway. I'll give you time, but only time on my schedule. And if I can find it, and if there's not a good show that I'm watching. <laughs> I'm getting personal, okay? I'm not going to give you something that costs me nothing. True worship is just always costly because you do have to give up your throne. True worship is costly because it might be embarrassing. I still feel it sometimes. Oh, gosh, do I? I'm not, I don't like praying in front of people. It's like, well, close your eyes, pray to God. Well, but people can hear me. Yes, but God can hear you too. That's the one that matters. All right, pet myself up. Oh, what if I lift my hands. It feels silly. There's only three people here doing it. It's like, yes, but it's God who you're worshiping. So that's fine. True worship's going to cost. Lord, I don't know if I have the time, the space, the budget, the whatever to do this. And God just reminds me of the widow that gave up her two mites. It was nothing. And yet Jesus used her as the example of faith. Oh, Lord, I'm not going to try to worship you in a cheap way, Lord, but something that has skin in the game because these are only tokens of what, you're tr what I'm truly giving, which is me. This is just an outworking of something that is on the inside. Really, the word Lord actually means supreme in authority. And so we all need to answer the question is, who is Lord? What is Lord? But mainly who? Is it, is it me or is it, is it Jesus? Anyway, back to Abraham. That was a bit hard, intense for us. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. 
He took, in, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go with the boy over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So he already had an expectation that we are coming back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Can you see the picture of Jesus here? Is that Isaac is carrying the very tool that he will be um, sacrificed on, pointing forward to Jesus who carries his cross to the Golgotha, who is the very means of his death is he is carrying this. This is a beautiful narrative that God is telling through his people and telling to his people. Going, Isaac is like Abraham and Isaac. It, this is like the Saviour to come, but He isn't the Saviour because He's not good enough to do all of it. So He keeps telling stories through His people going, this is kind of what's going to come, but far greater because one man can't do this until God sends His only Son. I think it's beautiful anyway. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Dad, yes, my son, the fire and the water here, uh, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> yeah, do you? And Abraham might have hesitated, but probably didn't. It says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Again, pointing to Jesus. And the two of them went on together. See, I love that he just knew that his God was going to provide. I love that he just had the anticipation that whatever's going to happen, God's involved in this. Verse nine, when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. And I'm sure there's a few more conversations there that I'd like to read about one day. On top of the wood, he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. See, no intention. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me, your son, your one and only son. This is God is not withholding his from us. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Look at this, verse 14. Here's the, the crescendo of the story. It says, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, which is the name we get for God, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord. In fact, this is the one place in the whole Bible where the phrase Jehovah Jireh is revealed to us. And in fact, it's not even specific about God. It's an attribute of the place where God met them. It says that place is known as Jehovah Jireh. On the mountain, the Lord will provide. And this is what is fascinating about it is that we see that God revealed as our provider which is what Jehovah Jireh means, God, the one who provides. In fact, the one who sees and sees to it is probably a better definition. It wasn't in the plains of comfort. It wasn't down in the cities where they came from. It was on the mountain of sacrifice that God was revealed to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I want Him to provide for me at home in comfort. I want Him to provide for me when I'm not, like, not even thinking about it, never believing for it. There He is. But what he did here was revealed an aspect to himself about, I'm a God who responds to great faith. I'm a God who provides for those who are expecting me to provide. I'm a God who provides for those who are walking by faith and are willing to lay down something like David, something that costs, 
something that might have had some skin in the game. I'm God who provides on the mountain's top, not just in our couch. Because He's calling us to be people who live by faith, who expand, who have an expectation that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've been called to, I know that God is in it. I have an expectation of the future. I can expand my tent knowing that God can fill it. I can believe for more things to happen because I know God is going to work through us. We can pray for a city to come to know Christ. Why? As we're expanding our tent and as we're sowing in, going, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, nights, mornings, lunchtimes, fasting, giving, leading, serving, whatever it might be, I will lay it down on that mountain of sacrifice, knowing that it is not in vain, but is going to see a mighty harvest in the Name of Jesus. For my family, I can sow in and believe for greater things because I know that when I do, when that pinch comes, it'd be easier to believe in the natural things. But when I stand on the promises of God and start to expand my expectation and my belief, I can know that the favour of the Lord is on me. Why? Well, because He is our Jehovah Jireh, our Lord who provides. Even when it costs, especially when it costs. In this season that we're in of expansion, of God's provision, I'm gonna keep saying that that's what I feel we're in as a church. It's not just a series. I think that this is a generational thing. Come on, we can believe for a church in this city to see more saved. You should believe for your siblings, your family, those that have walked off. We should be able to sow in and go, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at as long as my service and my church is going fine. But Lord, would you put the conviction on us to care about the 8,000 in Gadden that I've never met and will likely never meet? Lord, what about those in Switzerland? Why, why are we helping a school in Switzerland? Well, because God, I know you care about those people there. So we will lay our lives down in order to see more people come to know you. More schools and more churches. And for our own family, the top heart for the prayer list, filled with things that I'm believing for personally. I can believe for those things and I can put some skin in the game knowing that, well, Lord, you are my provider. As long as I'm taking steps towards something. I want to take some steps towards something that matters. I'm going to sow into things that matter. Like David, knowing no matter how mighty his kingdom was, God's kingdom was far greater. It was worth it. And so as we sow this series, greater than that, I pray that you are believing for more. That you are changing your expectation of the future and not abandoning God's plan by settling where you are and settling for what has been and settling for a reasonable outcome. No, we're not settling. We're expanding our faith, our expectation of what's to come. Church, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are our Jehovah Jireh. You're the one who provides. You've got a greater plan for our life than we would ever have for, for ourselves. And Lord, you are capable and willing to see it fulfilled. I thank you that the good work that you started in every single one of us, Lord, you will be faithful to complete it. Lord, we have that expectation for our lives and our families that you will move powerfully. Lord, that we'll live in freedom more tomorrow than we are today. Lord, that as our eyes are fixed on you and a vision for you, Lord, that, that we'll see greater things in our life than, than we've ever seen before or what we've ever heard of. Lord, those are the things that you've promised us, that you'll do in our lives for us, that believe, that follow you. Lord, that we, we would be provided for. We know who our ultimate provider is that we'd step into that provision, that blessing by faith. 
no matter what others are experiencing, Lord, that we would be set apart from the world and experience an average of heaven. Lord, help us outwork your plan for the sake of our, our family, our friends, our schools, our workplace, anywhere that we go, locally, nationally, or globally, Lord. Lord, let it all be for you that your kingdom would come and your will be done in our lives, in this world as it is in heaven. Now, maybe you've never asked God into your life before. You've probably heard plenty about Him and even today, but you don't know Him personally. I want to give you that opportunity because He wants to know you personally. He wants to get intimately involved in your life and help you experience all these great things that I've talked about that are for those who know Him. Him as your provider, your healer, your saviour, your victor. That these are the things laid before each one of us. If only we were to respond and say, God, I want to know you. Oh, I might have to step off my throne. I've taken my life this far, God, but I want to see where you want to take me. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to make that decision saying, Jesus, I want, you, I want to know you. I want to let go of some things and grab hold of what you've got for me. If that's you this morning, just as an outward sign to this inward decision, would you raise your hand in the air? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out the front or make a big deal about it. But, but if you just want to make that decision this morning, just as a response to what God's saying, which is, God, come into my life. Awesome. Thank you. Is there anyone else this morning? Join with the people in the two services. Thank you. Awesome. That's phenomenal. Church, would we celebrate with these people today? Come on, let's put your hands together. The Bible says all of heaven celebrates. It said we are the vision see to come to Christ. Every single one matters. Every one matters to God. Every single one church matters to us. And so if you're a believer, would you pray for these people making this decision as well? I'm gonna show you an example of a prayer that you can pray yourself. In any words, now or later, it doesn't matter, but come on, let's pray together. Hey, Father, I thank You that You have revealed Yourself to Your kids. Thank You, Jesus, for dying on that cross for us. Lord, that our sins are no more. They're not held against us. In fact, You say that they've been thrown into a sea of forgetfulness. They're not coming back. You're not throwing it in our face that we are a new creation, a son or a daughter of Yours that isn't something taken away because it's something that You gave us freely because of Jesus. Lord, help us realise even more who You are and who You created us to be. That freedom in Christ is for ours. Lord, a new identity of victory, Lord, of prosperity, of blessing, that we walk in this as we are in the Father's house. Father, help us discover our purpose as we follow You to make a greater difference in this world. We thank You in Jesus' Name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.